The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. you gonna do brother when matt johnson and johnny townsend of retro pop run wild on you how was my hulk hogan impression 10 out of 10 thank you always tell i i just know you're saying it i just know you're you're saying it to butter me up uh you are a good man hello everybody he <laughs> is a real american he fights for the rights of every man he's mad <laughs> <laughs> I almost went the rock route, but I don't have the yeah. uh I'm trying to be like decent to our you know our podcast precinct neighbors and stuff, but um but yeah, so welcome everybody to Retro Pop. My name is Matt Johnson. I am alongside my good friend Johnny Townsend, and uh we have a very, very fun episode for you guys planned out today. Uh one that's I've been wanting to do for a while. Matt. Man, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. You're in a good flow, and I'm totally destroying that. And I'm sorry, but I have to, I have to get, I have to say this. Um, it's unrelated to the rest of the show, so I want to get it out at the beginning here. Sure. Uh, but it is retro pop related, so I've been, uh, I've been uh, lucky enough to have HBO, no, not HBO, uh, Disney Plus. And on Disney Plus, they, of course, have the, and you definitely remember this show. We've talked about it on this show before, the X-Men cartoon from the 90s. Yes. Right? Okay. So I've been going back and watching that. I am currently on uh, the next to last season. I think there was like five seasons or something like that. But I'm on I the idea. next to last season. But the first season, uh, and I don't know why I'd forgotten about this, because those are the episodes I remember the most. But the first season. I'm gonna I'm gonna do for you my impression of Wolverine. All right, oh are you ready for this? I'm ready. My impression of Wolverine season one X Men cartoon mid nineties. Gene, oh Gene, that's that's my Wolverine impression. Uh, literally, uh, I, I think I was telling you this. <laughs> Wolverine in that cartoon is basically me in high school when the girl I liked was dating somebody else. <laughs> And I wouldn't shut up about it. That is <laughs> all that he is in that first season. He gets way better as the show goes. Like he he definitely, you know, they steer off of that, thankfully. But man, good lord. <laughs> ten out of ten, my friend. Ten out of Thank ten. You. That was wonderful. <laughs> we need more impressions. I it, that I don't even know where to go from there. Um Yeah, I just had to I had to get that off my chest. That had been weighing down on me. Uh, I just, man, I know people love Wolverine, and he's a cool-looking character. Don't get me wrong, uh, but uh, he's a uh, he's a bit whiny, just a tad. <laughs> yeah, first season. Yeah. Just, just a tad. And by the way, that show gets weird in the later seasons. I don't know if you remember that, but it gets pretty I, out there. I we yeah. need to we got to cover it at some point. <laughs> I I think we should. I definitely yeah. think we should. We'll definitely talk about that at some point. Um, but I think now after that, this is the perfect time to segue into our own personal history with the world of professional wrestling. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? 
Tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. right here in Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens. Don't you dare miss this one. So, Johnny, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you uh, your first uh, – we'll start off with you for this one. Your first, um, you know, impressions, first moments, memories with uh, with pro wrestling. Okay, so I was born in 83, to give a background there. Um, when I was really young, I want to say, like, man, five, somewhere around there, like five and six, like in, around that age. My dad had a friend that he worked with that he was really close to. And we would go over, like, the family would go over to his friend's house. And his friend would get pay-per-views, uh, wrestling pay-per-views. Uh, and this is when it was Hulkamania, brother. Right. Hulkamania was running wild. And uh, your boy Johnny was a Hulkamaniac. At the, this is obviously, uh, please. No, this is well before we knew uh, stuff about stuff about Hulk Hogan now. Um <laughs> well before that so uh, i was you know eating my vitamins because hulk told me to i was not doing drugs because the hulkster said you don't do that and that was my first foray in into it like i was i was head and shoulders in like that just suckered me in i loved it the 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 whole pageantry of the whole thing it just hit me and i was in love with it and i have been ever since i literally still remember the day that that I rem- that I found out that it was uh, not on the up and up, <laughs> as they say. I found out about kayfabe. I remember that. I was I was a teenager. I was like, man, or a preteen, like twelve or thirteen, something like that. I, I got to look it up. But the show had come out, um, and it was uh, it was like somebody. It was on the network TV. I don't remember which show it was on, what channel it was on, but they were exposing the secrets of pro wrestling. Oh. And I had to watch it, and uh, my mind was blown. Uh, it was, <laughs> but for some reason now, or even then, like it made me love it even more. I was like, "Oh man, they're doing all this stuff, and like it's, and it's a show, really." Like I was even more impressed somehow. Like it just meant more to me that that they were that that it was like that. And then of course I became a very, and I cannot stress this enough, Matt, a very famous backyard wrestler uh, in Vail, North Carolina. Um, and uh, known as the crusher and i would fight the likes of venom and the pinto bean and uh <laughs> and i had a pretty sweet ddt and it was pretty much all i knew how to do safely uh we had uh we trust me when i say this our safety was our first and only concern as we had the most padded down uh, with mats and springy stuff possible uh, to the point where you could definitely see and our tables were like these styrofoam poster boards <laughs> that we would go through they make a good sound oh they, well, they do very it good was, sound was, and we had giant cardboard boxes one time when i was at a thrift store i don't know why they had this i'd never seen anything like this before but they had uh, like a rubber brick it was like a you know it's supposed to look like a real brick but it was made out of completely out of rubber right i was like yep getting that for the show <laughs> uh, we made our own title belts that's awesome. but man i and, and and i just i've always loved it I mean, I think like anyone, I'm going in and out of it, you know, like, yeah. you know, I mean, I think it's everybody it goes in cycles. Uh, you know, I've always kind of kept my eye on it, even when I'm not really into it. But, you know, I'm always waiting to come right back in, man. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's like that. Uh, it's that uh, it's that, you know, that lover of yours that loves you, but then is but then sometimes doesn't love you anymore, but then loves you again, you know. The ex that ki- that'll send you a text every once in a while. Oh, it's I was gonna go with my I was gonna go with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't want to talk to you today. Oh, buy me stuff. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. <laughs> Everything comes full circle. <laughs> but I mean that that you're 100 percent right. You're 100 percent right. It has gone out in phases for me. Right now, I'm on the I'm on the uh, kind of phase. Uh, even though I do love old school wrestling, right? I can sit and watch yes. what I grew up with, what I know all day, every day. And that's what I've done a lot throughout this pandemic. You know, unfortunately not having a job uh, is watching either old wrestling clips, old, res- old wrestling interviews about the old days. Very, very insightful stuff. And that's something I've come to appreciate. Uh, I don't remember the very first time I, you know, wrestling came to me, but I do remember from a very early age, uh, having a Sega Genesis, my dad had a game called WWF Royal Rumble, and I was infatuated with it. Yes. I was very, very infatuated with the game, the characters, the the look of the characters. Uh, but all I can remember is I knew who Hulk Hogan was, and I knew how big of a deal he was. So I must have been watching lightly around that time. But I was obsessed. Like you're a kid, you love to you know you love to horseplay, you love to wrestle around, and pro wrestling was like you know it's it's everything. Um, it's, 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 it's a big deal. It's, it's, it's the big spectacle. It's all big wrestling, big, cool wrestling moves. And how do they do this? And how do they do that? Uh, which is really, really incredible. I do remember really, really getting into it just before the attitude era. Um, and then that happened. And then my parents were like, no, you can't watch this anymore because it, love the attitude era in hindsight, but there was a lot of trash tv yeah go, go back and watching it yeah go back and watching that again the attitude era there's a lot of stuff that will make you cringe like really bad uh, yeah yeah but i but i 100 i'm just gonna ask you this matt i 100 remember when that took off when it was wcw versus wwf at the time and like literally all over my high school like that's all people were either talking about or the shirts they were wearing yep or any of that stuff it Stone was stone cold nwo dx Goldberg, The Rock, uh, you just uh, it, it that was the you know for me that was my like gold like golden age of wrestling like obviously I missed out on the eighties uh, you know with with the Hulk Hogan boom and stuff it, it had some down years but it came back stronger than ever with with this Attitude Era but um, I only got to watch a very limited amount of it I remember I can watch WCW which for some reason somehow some way that was cleaner cut than WWF. And, uh, you know, I watch, I'm watching all these old stars that my dad grew up watching. Your Hulk Hogan's, your Macho Man's, all, all these characters. And I, I loved it. I was infatuated with it. I, I had more WCW toys than I did WWF for a little while. But eventually... Uh, I did too. Yeah. Eventually, wrestling got so bad in the night, like the late 90s. Oh, WCW got so bad in the late 90s that I just stopped watching it. Uh, I heard about my dad. See, like I was watching it, and I, I think it was on television. It might have been a... But they did a Viagra on a pole match. He goes, all right, this is, <laughs> this is it. Yeah, it's 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 Especially a wrap. They would have character. They would have characters named like General Erection. It was a literal yeah character. Uh, yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So I went away from it for a little while. I always knew of it, but you know, I I I was still I, I didn't follow it, follow it, but I knew of it lightly. Um, you know, and I knew when WWF purchased WCW, but I really came back into it when Kane took his mask off because Kane was one of my favorites as a kid, obviously a big monster character. who was just awesome. Um, and I came back to it once he took his mask off. So that was June, was that May or June of 2003? Uh, roughly that. And that was a diehard for a good seven to, well, probably a little bit longer than that. Probably 10 to 15. Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it wild? Like the, just the different things in wrestling that you remember. Like, I remember that too. 
when when Kane un, was unmasked. There's a huge I remember deal. When, yeah, I remember when Rey Mysterio was unmasked. I remember like all these like they're just really weird dots in my timeline. Yeah, <laughs> that are based around pro wrestling because I just remember these events happening in pro wrestling. Yeah, that was that was a big one for me. That was a big because like I said, Kane was a childhood like. How could you not like Kane? Like he was scary. Yeah. But he had the mask. He had the he looked cool. And then for him to take his mask off after Jesus, that was six, seven years be probably six years. He debuted in ninety seven. You know, that's a that was a big deal. And I it drew me back and I was like, This is interesting. I'm watching all these stars, you know, and I found fell in love with new stars like Brock Lesnar and John Cena and and Randy Orton and all these characters and and I've been in and out, but you know, my love eventually did bring me to to do pro wrestling. I did do pro wrestling for five years between 2010 and 2015. Um, I loved it. You know, it, there's there's parts of me that do miss it to this day. There's other parts that don't miss it to this day. But, um, you know, I, I did get to kind of live in that and, and try it out and be like, hey, you know, someday I can be like, hey, uh, you know, I, I tried my best. I gave it a shot because something I loved. Um, but I did, I mean, I did the whole backyard wrestling circuit, but the video games have always been a lot of fun. That's been a big thing for me. I used to collect the action figures and, uh, you know, build, uh, my dad built me a, a wooden wrestling ring from all my action figures back when I was a little kid. And I kept that thing for a long That's cool. time, uh, yeah. rubber band ropes and all that stuff. I used to carry it with me, whoever's house I was going to like, Oh, let's play wrestlers. I was just, I was just enamored with that thing. Absolutely enamored. But, um, so a lot of my life has been, you know, influenced in been in pro wrestling has been involved with my life for a very long time. And I'm, uh, I'm pretty proud of that. Pretty proud of that fact. Um, all right. But we have a lot to talk about today. This is a long winded personal history, but rightfully so, because, uh, you know, we do have to back set this, you know, myself and Johnny were part of a show. It's not going on right now. Uh, I think it's still vacant, uh, not vacant, but uh, defunct. It could come back at some point. But uh, ourselves, we were hosts of Hardly Kayfabe with our good friend Christopher Chavez, who uh, who runs this this network with the iron 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 grip. Yes. Not, not really. He's a wonderful soul, <laughs> and we love him dearly. Uh, we did this, uh, you know, and and we've all shared this kind of love, uh, you know, for the sport, for the history of it. I consider myself like I again. I, throughout this quarantine, like I've looked up at the history I've, I've read old stuff. And um, this is something I've always wanted to kind of talk about is the history of pro wrestling. So I'm really glad that retro pop is, is, you know, th this platform is here to talk about it. So yeah. Um, on that note, let us get into the history of professional wrestling. What? 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 Y2J is the undisputed champion? What? Y2J was declared the winner at Vengeance? What? Vince McMahon and Booker T screw Stone Cold? What? Vince and Booker T screw Stone Cold? What? I said Vince McMahon and Booker T screw Stone Cold? What? All right, Johnny, I... I'm going to, because I usually ask you this stuff and you usually get it wrong, which is like not an insult at you, but I'm just setting you up for the, for the fans. When, <laughs> uh, and I mean that totally respectfully. When do you think the very first, what, what year do you think was the very first, like the, the beginnings of pro wrestling? What, what year, what decade are you, are oh, you man. thinking? Okay. All right. So 
actual pro wrestling, not wrestling wrestling, because I know wrestling wrestling was like a Roman thing, even like it was back in the Roman times. Yeah, Greco-Roman like, stuff like that. Such. Yep. Um, I'm going to go. I feel like it's been around for a long time. Uh, I'm going to go eight eighteen seventies. You're close. You're close. The uh, you're actually like forty years off. Um, oh, forty years man. over. So the early concept of professional wrestling of wrestling and showmanship, which is what pro wrestling is today, uh, it began in 1830s France, uh, and it they had <laughs> so so just after Napoleon's conquering Europe, everyone's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do some wrestling, ha ha ha, croissants and 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 baguettes and all that stuff. <laughs> So, uh, so it had its beginnings, uh, like I said, in 1830s France, it, where showmen performed, uh, presented wrestlers under names such as Edward the Steel Eater, or Gustave the Avignon, the Bone Wrecker, or Bonnet the Ox oh, of the, the Low Bone Elves. Bone Wrecker is a great name. That's a, like that's a bad ass name for 1830s. It is. Yeah, that would work today. Uh, yeah, Bonnet yeah. the ox of the lo- the ox of the low Alps and challenged members of the public to knock them down for five hundred francs. Uh, that was that was the early, you know, bit of it. Uh, it became what it became next. Uh, you know, a huge carnival attraction, basically. Uh, eighteen forty eight French showman Jean uh, Jean Exbriot. I definitely didn't say that right. That's what we usually do here is we botch Jean names. Exbriot. <laughs> Nailed it. Ten out of ten. Uh, <laughs> formed the first modern wrestler's circus trope uh, and established a rule not to execute holds below the waist. He called it flat hand wrestling. And uh, this style, it 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 um, it's took over. You know, all of Europe, Austria-Hungarian Empire, Italy, Denmark, Russia. Um, you know, it it they, they, it was kind of like Greco-Roman wrestling. But they they turn it into a show, but the actual like origin origins of of wrestling, uh, at least in the United States, uh, it began in the 1860s, and so this is it coming over to the United States, 1860s. So technically, you were also very close in that regard too uh, by saying the 1870s. Yeah. Uh, it, and just to give people an idea of how long ago that was, that was the uh, Civil War era, right there. Correct. Immediately after the Civil War, it, it started because. Uh, Traveling performers, they you know they 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 want to get paid for mass entertainment and stage matches. Uh, during this time, wrestlers, often athletes would, with amateur wrestling experience, competed at traveling carnivals with carnies working as their promoters and bookers. Uh, carnies, uh, a lot of that's like an insult phrase now for for promoters, um, especially bad independent wrestling promoters. You know, just working working the boys, working fans. Uh, anything to make a quick buck and, and they'll throw anyone under the bus. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they, they built it up. They build this thing up because, uh, you know, wrestling Greco Roman wrestling was like, it's, it's like a normal thing. Like we're talking almost Olympic times now. Um, wrestling had been a sport like Abe Lincoln wrestled all this sort of stuff, but yep. they started dialing it yeah, up. Lincoln, Lincoln, yeah. Lincoln's in like the wrestling hall of fame. Even. He is. He is, uh, you know, so it had been around for, for quite some time. Wrestling is just a natural thing uh, that came to a lot of people. But they, these carnies started dialing this this stuff up like, OK, what's up? Let's give them colorful, co- colorful costumes, fictional biographies. And uh, and let's 
forget the, the competitive nature of, of this sort of thing. But, uh, you know, there were some elements to it that were, were legit still. Um, but, uh, you know, these shows were done for high-stakes gambling purposes only. They weren't to, for entertainment. It was, well, there was entertainment value to it, but this is like uh, this is like boxing back in the, you know, back, well, probably forever, you know, or fixed matches and stuff like that because, they knew, you know, there was big money involved. Wrestling was like maybe, maybe originated that kind of route, maybe, maybe uh, – followed suit in it but um but the three most important groups of people in wrestling at that time were the impresarios the carnies and the barnstormers so the impresarios were the managers who chose how a wrestler could gain fame and interest among fans uh creating personas and improvising matches to make them more interesting so uh i think like a uh, like a vince mcmahon type would yeah. kind of be like an impresario in, in a way carnies traveled to, uh who they traveled and wrestled at these events, used tricks to protect their money and reputations during competitions. And uh, they devised little known and often dangerous wrestling moves called hooks, which are illegal in most amateur wrestling. So whole like big, like holds like, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, but these moves were capable of putting down anybody who tried to come after them. You know, uh, of somebody who wanted to knock them down for five hundred dollars or however it was. Uh, and then we have the the barnstormers were the traveling, you know, the as traveling wrestlers. And they uh, they were the equivalent to um, they were the equivalent to like a almost like a carpenter. Uh, well, some people call them carpenters. Sometimes sometimes people call them jobbers, but they were there. Uh, they were kind of put in the crowd. But they were like talented amateur wrestlers, but they were kind of just set up and they helped plants, Plants, exactly. And they won a lot of money. So we see a lot of we see plants in wrestling to this day. And those are kind of the early foundations of it. But it was pretty much a pyramid scheme (laughs) of fame and money uh, based strictly on athletic talent. The lowest, you know, at the lower were the journeymen, young performers with promises of skill. But uh, they relied mainly on showmanship to gain fans. So this you got to keep in mind this era, too. The actual wrestlers, shooters, which is what they call like people like myself who, you know, did wrestling in high school, college. Those were the more successful ones, but very, very less common. So it it made a complete switch. Uh, You know, in the early 1900s before that, if the the better you were at amateur Greco style wrestling, the more successful you were in the business. But there was other ones who did the whole showmanship thing and they weren't so successful. They were at the bottom. Um you know, so uh, there's a whole whole hierarchy of all this. But then we go into the uh, the late 19th century, early 20th century, and uh, it, there was two guys who were the biggest um, biggest facets of all this. Martin Farmer Burns and his, his student Frank Gotch, who's a legendary catch as catch can wrestler. Uh, you know, he taught him the the the. Let's see, he fought well. Burns, excuse me, he fought over 6,000 wrestlers at a time where most were just com- were actually competitive contests, and he lost 10 or fewer, fewer than 10 of them. Excuse me, he also gained a reputation for, you know, training some of the best wrestlers of the uh, of the up and coming era. So Gotch, like, was uh, he was regarded as peerless. He was uh, he's the first to claim the world's undisputed heavyweight championship by beating all contenders in North America and Europe, which is a big deal. Became the world's uh, champion. He defeated European wrestling champion George Hackenschmidt, both in 1908 and 1911. Uh, what a name, right? <laughs> what? You know, 
<laughs> Hackenschmidt. Oh, Hacken Schmidt. Schmidt, Jim Duggan. Um, <laughs> both, yeah, so that was the first of, uh, let's see, seen by modern historians oh, as two of the most significant matches in wrestling history. What's Jim Duggan doing? Oh, he's just there, Hacken Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's brilliant, man. It's brilliant. He actually came, <laughs> he came over. Hacken Schmidt, yeah, Hacken Schmidt was doing this, you know, doing the whole amateur uh, well, just beating up people at carnivals thing in, in Europe. And he came over and it was a big, uh, it was a big deal. So we're starting to get like early boxing vibes where these guys are becoming heroes, right? You have different uh, ethnic communities, like, you know, a lot of, around the 1920s post, you know, immigration or around the immigration time for a lot of uh, immigrants in the United States, German, Polish, Czech, Hungarian, uh, Italians, people were just associating with, with these wrestlers and you go and watch them. Um, you know, they go and watch him wrestle. It was, you know, it was, uh, it was a big deal. It was really cool. But, uh, you know, it, it's, let's see, wrestling's popularity, it, it, it started to kind of falter in 1915 and 1920. And uh, because there were starting to be doubts of its legitimacy and status as a competitive sport, because people started to notice certain things. They're starting to go towards the Carney route where, where, you know, we're, we're more so, um, you know, more than ever, they're fixing matches. So, uh, and, and plus in when Frank Gotch, was the biggest star in wrestling in the early days, retired in 1913, there was no like superstar to kind of unify wrestling fan bases. There was no, uh, and what I mean by that, like what Hulk Hogan meant to the eighties, Stone Cold, the rock meant to the nineties and two thousands, he was gone and they hadn't, they failed to build up stars. So 1920s and thirties, they, uh, you know, they, they, it was dying even quicker um but a group of three people for uh, professional wrestlers at that ed lewis billy sandow and toots mont um joined to form their own promotion in the 1920s this was like the one of the first organized wrestling promotions uh modifying the in-ring product to to attract fans uh they call them the gold dust trio and you know what they 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 brought like rules they try to make it organized um, you know, to kind of haul in new people because they knew there was money in, in all this. Uh, they were the first promotion to use time limit matches, flashy new holds, and signature maneuvers. And they also popularized tag team wrestling um, and introduced certain things like, oh, distracting the referee to make the matches more exciting. So a, still a lot of realism feel to this, but this is the this is the birth of, I guess, modern, what we know now as modern uh professional wrestling the 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 real showmanship in 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 all that uh the trio's legacy they um they used a uh they used a regular group of wrestlers it wasn't just oh here's here's you know for example frank gotch and ed from texas uh <laughs> they had their own set of guys they had a roster which is something that you know they they had to this day um which is a big thing to this day and they gained popularity. They, they actually were very, very successful. They gained a lot of popularity for freshness and unique approach to wrestling and, and consistent wrestlers to get behind, you know, uh, which is a big thing. Uh, between 19, uh, yeah, 1920 and 25 were the best. They did really good, and they, they acquired fans. They went to big cities. Um, but their plans were, were kind of punched in the mouth by a guy named Stanislaus Zabisco. And I, I think you you probably familiar with that last name. I think he's a he's a uh, he's a ancestor of Larry Zabisco. Yep. Uh, yep, Larry Zabisco is the name I do know. 
Yeah, I think he's this guy's a. Uh, oh, he's a handsome gentleman too. Sweet mustache. Uh, but his first name was Jan, so he sta- he changed it to Stanislaus. <laughs> um, but he beat rookie Wayne Munn for the World Heavyweight Championship, which was against original booking, which is a fun tidbit. And um, and he just took the title and and and, and never defended it. And he kind of ruined what they were going with. But there's a whole bunch of carny stuff to put so the belt. He went he went into business for himself. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so. After that, it was kind of like died down. Like World War II, the sport really, really died down. Um, Really, really died down. There, a lot of the the stars were off to war, and and people were just focused on supporting the boys, uh, supporting the troops from you know till around then. Um, But also around this time too, in 1948, the National Wrestling Alliance comes to be, where um, you know a bunch of independent wrestling promotions were always poaching talent from each other. And and whatnot, they actually came together and unified it. Luthez um, was their first champion, but um, they wanted to organize wrestling. This is the equivalent to, and I'm a big football guy, in the early 1920s, or before 1920, football was very loosely organized. Like, people would just play whoever, and they were professional teams. But the NWA was actually the very first organized wrestling, um, you know, way to organize wrestling with rules and champions and and uh and this and that it was uh <laughs> it was you know there was some there was some trouble with it but luthez unite went around the country and united all the won all the world championships so all these different uh territories and became the first nwa world heavyweight champion unified champion so uh, you know with a lot of sports with a lot of things uh to you know that are popular to this day uh the birth of the television era really helped boom this sport you know, now not only were you just performing in front of people, but hey, you you're getting tapes and you're getting put on television. There's revenue and there's benefits for all. You know, there's benefits for all this for both promoters and wrestlers who, or yeah, wrestlers who. Oh, this fancy this guy does this in in the East Coast. Oh, we really love to have him out here, and it becomes a draw. People pay to watch him, and they bring him in. And it's a big thing. Yeah. It definitely it helped with the early days of television, but the very first. Uh, Television t- studio taping was in 1942 and it's connected to New York. Um, that was the very, very first one, but it did ha- help popularize that. But now we're getting big gimmicky characters, right? Uh, we go into the 1950s and there's not just there's not just colorful costumes. It's it's people over the top. Um, Gorgeous George was one of the That's biggest, big name. huge name. Um, one of the biggest stars during this period because of this for his outrageous character who went, did flamboyant, charismatic. He was, he got heat like nobody had done before uh, with these crowds. He's, he literally sold televisions, like his name. Like they, they would, people buy TVs just to see him on screen. <laughs> yeah. Really, that's how big he was. Huge. Um, big, big, big. You know, and before before his time, I got to acknowledge too, they were just, uh, you know, they called them, a lot of gimmicks were just ethnic, you know, ethnic gimmicks. Oh, the Italian stallion, you know, and, oh, and thank you know, goodness we went away. We went away yeah, from yeah, I wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked today. Air, you know, heavy just Arab characters, Nazi. There was Nazi characters back then. Um, that's in, incredible. Um, but so now they're actually having giving them character and a little bit more depth. They're not just ethnic, you know, ethnic based wrestlers, and you know, uh, it was a but. The birth of television was a big deal. Uh, and then 
professional wrestlers, I guess, around this era kind of changed too. In the mid-1950s, more wrestlers were kind of joining the ranks of the business. You know, it wasn't just a limited bunch. Um, there was about 2,000 wrestlers nationally, which, you know, it's crazy. Like, that seems like such a small amount now, but that was a big deal um, back in the, you know, back in the day. And, you know, they, they began with, with a fresh notion of what the sport was. It was no longer going to be amateur wrestling-based. Um, there was still technical wrestling, but it wasn't like the old style where, you know, it's just strong men and they knew how to wrestle and lock you up. And that was it. These were guys who grew up watching the television stars and they seen what these guys were, these guys and girls, excuse me, what they were and how they were presenting themselves. And, you know, um, and they aspired to be that, uh, late 1950s, it had lost a lot of its ratings because overexposure, which is something that pro wrestling today uh, seems to be, might be suffering from, honestly. Uh, at least in WWE, when you have programming, find ways to have programming seven days a week. Uh, eventually, there's there's lost interest in it, but they went really, really heavy. Um, you know, with, with it, NWA was still the governing body, and they were just trying to find, you know, just things weren't, you know, working. There's starting to be a little corruption in the NWA, so people branch off and create their own. AWA branched off at this time. Uh, the American Wrestling Association, which was around for, I think, a good 30 years. The WWWF uh, broke away during this time as well, uh, which eventually became WWF and what we know it today as WWE. But um, but so they had lost control. But these AWA and, and WWF became bigger than almost bigger than NWA, or at least on a competitive level with just one, you know, with just their lone company. Uh, and then back, you know, there, there's so much that goes on here, but, uh, in the 1980s, it boomed back again. So seventies, we, we watch a lot of classic seventies matches. There's some really good stuff, but in the 1980s, it hits that stride. And, uh, and a lot of that went, Oh, we got, go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah. The one thing too, is also fascinating as we're going through the different decades of wrestling here is just how it evolves. Like the actual wrestling itself, you know, you kind of alluded to it. Uh, you know, originally it was way more holds and, you know, like, how can I, you know, hold this guy differently or, or, you know, that type of thing. And then like, you know, and then we get to the seventies and, and stuff and the more television, it seems to get the more uh, flair <laughs> quoting, uh, you know, I mean, I meant to do that more Ric Flair's added. <laughs> Woo! Um, yeah. They, uh, you know, like more, the moves kind of change and have more flair to them. I mean, uh, the the finishing moves kind of start coming around, you know that type of thing. Then you know, like the elbow from you know from uh, Dusty Rhodes, that type of type of deal. And then like these, like you were saying, these these people would see these wrestlers who are larger than life, and be like, I want to do that. But they also want to not only be influenced by them, but want to add their own touch to it. Correct. And that would just evolve the sport more and more. To like today, man, like there's no sitting still in a match today. <laughs> Yeah, no, but like in the in the sixties and seventies, there's a lot of sitting still. <laughs> you're 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 right. Yeah, you know, if, if you watch like uh like I'd equate it to like uh, wrestling in Japan nowadays, where the crowd is sitting silent. It's like a respect yeah. thing the wrestlers, but it's 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 a lot of buildup, and then there's a lot of crazy stuff, it, and it kind of unravels. Uh, there's a whole up and down psychology to all this. It's it's really cool, um, but. Uh, you know, now in the '60s and '70s, you're seeing the the like the 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 emergement, uh, emergency emergence of Bruno San Martino, who 
was one of the biggest draws of all time. He made he headlined 211 Madison Square Garden shows um, and 187 sellouts. I know that's kind of a stat and trivia thing, but, you know, Bruno San Martino was like the biggest, like after Gorgeous George, he was a big megastar and made it possible for the WWF to succeed at this time Um, because he had a huge, you know, New York, very Italian heavy and and a lot of Italians across the world just, just gravitated towards him. Um, and then let's see, uh, also Hulk Hogan starring in Rocky three has a very, very important impact on wrestling too. Um, because with that, he, you know, the AWA got a lot of fame because he showed up, but because Hogan was their biggest draw, uh, and Ganya, it was a Vern, yeah, Vern Ganya who would not let him, he wouldn't let him be champion because, uh, he, he wasn't a technical wrestler. <laughs> he, he wasn't a technical wrestler, so he wouldn't make him as a champion. So Hogan walked and went to the WWF, and the rest is pretty much history. You know, in the 1980s, we get uh, Vince McMahon buying out territories and buying their stars, right? Hauling in the guy likes of Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Iron Sheik, Andre the Giant. He he bought out all these, you know, and, and he gets criticized a lot for it. But you know, at the same time, he he brought wrestling to a national attention. He didn't want to just be a localized. He wanted to go national. He bought out all these, you know, tons and tons of stars. And, and soon, you know, a lot of these places couldn't compete. So the NWA got very, very weak at this point. And the WWF was the be all end all um, in the 1980s with the first WrestleMania, which was a really big deal. Uh, earning millions of dollars and just this is the first time in a long to, in, in really a, that wrestling had hit the mainstream like never before right you know you have these fixtures like Bruno San Martino who are well known amongst the wrestling community but if you ask just any casual fan who Bruno San Martino is or not even a casual fan but anybody who just any person they don't know who Bruno is Hulk Hogan comes in and he Everybody knows Hulk Hogan. Even if you aren't a wrestling fan, you know who Hulk Hogan is and it brought extra eyes and attention uh, to the product. And, you know, that all- I would yeah, I would say there were definitely big stars before him, but he was one who I would say transcended. Uh, you know, he went above the sport. I mean, he was started appearing in, you know, TV shows and, and, and movies. And uh, they would they really started marketing differently when Hogan came around for sure. Uh, And he really, I mean, his, I think he and WWF benefited from each other from that, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just remarkable because I do, because you're not wrong about Bruno. Bruno uh, is fascinating and how good he was and how beloved he was. I mean, he was a huge, huge, huge star, but you're right. Most people, I guarantee you, don't even know who he was like hadn't even heard his name before and it's i mean it's tragic but yeah. it's it's the it's the truth unfortunately it's the truth uh, you know bruno san martino is one you know one of the best wrestlers of all time he was champion for like eight nine years has one yeah. of the longest heavyweight title runs of all time but but it's hogan you know uh and maybe maybe we can theorize a little bit maybe it's because that at the time san martino and, and the wf were were just localized, like they were just running shows out of MSG. They were just running shows in the Northeast. And then by the time Hogan comes around, you know, you get Vince Jr., who has national ambitions. And, you know, he's he's selling out arenas all over the world. 
You know, it, where San Martino's just selling MSG, Hogan's selling out arenas all across the United States, all across the world. Just a huge, huge megastar. And, and, and I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of it's pretty crazy in hindsight how one guy who got this got this role in a, in a Rocky movie changed professional wrestling forever. Oh, they didn't want him. If I remember right, they didn't even want him to do that too at the time. Correct. Like they, Vince Jr. didn't want him to do that. It. Yep. Yeah, and he got in trouble for it. <laughs> and uh, and what it did instead was put them on the map. Really, it did. It uh, it, it most certainly did. It brought a whole. What, new what is his name? What it Thunder Lips or something like that? A weird. Yeah, name. Thunder Lips. It was. It was. <laughs> it wasn't the name. I just watched a clip the other day, and uh, I was watching. No, I was watching the Andre the Giant documentary, and they brought that up. And and of course, in the Andre the Giant documentary, there's a ten to fifteen minute window dedicated to Hulk Hogan, and nothing else. But um, yeah, <laughs> of course. But uh, but yeah, uh, I was just watching it the other day. But that's a great documentary, by the way. If anybody, I, yeah. even if you're not into pro wrestling, I highly recommend it. It's just so yeah, good. I know. Like my mom who hated pro wrestling, especially when I started watching it. But she knew of Andre and and she loved it. But yeah, what a tragic figure, man. Yeah, seriously, seriously, curse, curse from birth, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, WWF was just you know just kicking everybody down uh nwa was pretty much non-existent at this point jim crockett promotions uh you know what was you know the the flagship of nwa not a whole lot of people remember that but uh you know nwa's they're, they're kind of la- one of their last ones was georgia championship wrestling which eventually became world championship wrestling and and that was kind of the last ditch effort and then when wcw finally ditched the nwa because of rules and and, and all that stuff they want a cut of everything um they were just a dinosaur in, in you know, in, in what pro wrestling was. WCW was like the last big competition towards WWE. Uh, they, you know, they gave it all. Uh, we got some really good television out of it. Monday Night Wards. They went t- head to head. And ultimately, the, w- the WWF did kind of, um, you know, win that. And they're still going pretty strong to this day. Uh it, yeah, as of this recording, they just signed a deal with NBC. They did uh, streaming, which yeah. is a huge, like it's a big deal. Like it yeah. literally they're losing big. their own network, and they're going to the Peacock Network, which is uh, yeah. which is for a lot of money. <laughs> for a lot of money, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But you know, th- there's always there's always people trying. You know, startups. Obviously, Impact, which is formerly known as TNA, has been around for a little while. They're kind of they're they're kind of fighting to stay around. AEW, which is like the first in my opinion, first legitimate threat to WWE, not now, but can be, uh, you know, since WCW, uh, you know, yeah, I definitely feel they're knocking on the door for sure. They're close. Yeah. They're definitely close. Uh, you know, I wish, I wish they'd go through some things differently, but, um, but regardless, they're, they're, they're close and they're big, big deal. It's almost unheard of, but the, you know, the wrestling business, it's uh, it's it's definitely in a weird place right now, and there's been a lot of scandals across you know across the years, and a lot of stories. But um, on the bright side, a lot of entertained people, a lot of moments that people love to reference, uh, a lot of a lot of legends, a lot of big characters that you know, that no matter how old people get, they'll always reference them. Oh, I remember back in the day when Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant, and yeah, do you do you realize that there are people now? Uh, who don't even know that Batista was a wrestler. They just know him as Drax or... Isn't that or crazy? Boy. That's so wild, isn't it? <laughs> Unbelievable, man. Um, Yeah. 
but that's how it is for a lot of people. You know, I, I still, I mean, I still find people every now and then like actors or something every now and then that I'm like, Oh shoot. I didn't know they were wrestling or a football or just, yeah. just anything. But, um, but yeah, so wrestling is a very, very rich history. It started off, you know, just beat people in the head for the, for the money. It kind of is like that now today, but it's dressed up uh, <laughs> a lot nicer yeah. than it was. I think, I think today uh, most people are on the up and up on what it is. Uh, I mean, they're very open about it now compared yeah. to even the 80s. You know, there's stories in the 80s of how seriously people took it. Literally, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Somebody, um, somebody brought a gun to a show because yeah. they hated this person and shot at him. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Heenan, it was Bobby Heenan that got shot at because he was so hated. Uh, that, I mean, that's how seriously people were taking this stuff, you know. Um, it's real to me, so Jay. It's, it's, it's real to me. It's real to me, Gene. Uh, but yeah, so it's definitely changed since then. I think, I think uh, for better and for worse, you know, me and you are, we, you know, we, we love it, but I also like, I know the up and up of it, but also like, hey, please work me. I want to be worked. You know, just right. work me. <laughs> Absolutely, because I mean, the, when it does, we usually get it right. We, we usually draw. Yeah, we, we it, it sucks our attention back in. So um, it's, it's just like magic, right? You know, uh, I love watching ma- a magician. I really do. I think it's a lot of fun, but I do not want to know how they're doing it. Correct. I, I just don't want to know. I, I just want to watch and be, you know, into the show. I don't. I don't need. You know, I, I always wonder how did he do that, but I'm okay not knowing exactly how he did it or she <laughs> or whoever it is. I, I I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, and that's that's I think that's what the allure of it for a lot of people now. It's like you know, I mean, I know, so I'm a little extra jaded towards it uh, yeah. for for various reasons. But the you know, it, it it and it did lose its magic once I finally found out. But even still, for a lot of people who've never been in a in a in a professional wrestling ring, uh the mystique is always there and you know it, and whether you, if you hate it now you loved it at some point i think like yeah. it had your attention at least for a little while and holds a special place in your heart so um so yeah so that is the his the, the the in a nutshell the history of professional wrestling let's uh let's go on to matt's stats he put hard times on dusty Rhodes and his family you don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked on a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place daddy that's hard. you know johnny i'm not gonna lie uh we could probably do a stats portion of this episode like a separate stats portion episode for this hey, you, topic you legit sent me a link to this website that is just bombarding you with pro wrestling stats that i was like i didn't even start i, I clicked on a couple of them just to out of sheer curiosity uh you know uh, and i was like wow yeah not only is it awesome but also just so much i just couldn't handle it the research man it's insane uh we're we're looking one of the sites i'm looking at is uh the internet wrestling database at www.profightdb.com uh and they have records for everything i don't know how accurate they are but 
I got to work with what I got, yeah. you know, with what's available. Right, so I think I do. I'm glad you said that because uh, I will have the same thing I'll have to say for my segment that's coming up. <laughs> but you also have to remember with pro wrestling, uh, you may not ever know the real true numbers on stuff. Let's just go ahead and throw that out there. Yes, that's that's a very important like detail because trust me, it's going to come up a lot. Um, all right, especially attendance numbers. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know how people on Facebook like to make themselves seem better than they actually are. That's what pro wrestling does. Um, yeah. <laughs> to put it to put it kindly. So, uh, yeah. so you know how you know how I only try to take pictures of myself from a certain angle. You do. That's what that's what pro wrestling is. <laughs> Is that my good side? Yeah, that's the stuff like that. Yeah, pretty, pretty. That's actually a really good way to put it. A lot of the bad stuff gets thrown under uh, a rug. But all right. So according to the Internet Wrestling Database, the person with the most matches in pro wrestling history, Jushin Thunder Liger, who uh, wrestled. Out. He just re- he only just recently retired. He had a very long career. Yeah, a very long career. He's had, according to this, he's wrestled in two thousand six hundred and fifty two matches. Wow. All right. The lar- let's see the highest number for somebody who's regularly appeared in WWE. That's Kane at number 23. Uh he's 23rd overall in the world, 1769 wrestling matches. Now, I I am I'm guessing this includes house shows because the, I th- I believe they they take into account house show results because those are a lot of newspapers. You can find those in a lot of magazines where reporters go to house shows and they they send in results and matches and stuff like that but kane has the most for wwe based um cesaro was actually right behind him but cesaro spent a lot of time in the indies which i find interesting he's only four oh, yeah. matches behind uh and i have no idea when this is last updated but right now jushin thunder thunder liger who uh only made one appearance in wwe and that was on nxt i think against tyler breeze just a couple years ago Man, i i hadn't been mad at wrestling in a while i just kind of let it go <laughs> But I just got mad again thinking about poor Cesaro. Man, oh, I, I know what a great wrestler, and he has a, that many matches, and he's and they're just still not using him right. But I know that's good. I know it 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 bothers me. It does bother me. He's yeah. actually really he's so good. freaking good. Use him. I met him. Out. I met him once or twice. And he's actually a really really good guy. Um, yeah, the, I've heard nothing but great things about him. Yeah, a lot of high character guys in the WWE now, but. Um, for, for female wrestlers, the person who's appeared in the most wrestling matches is uh, in the female side of things. Natalia, 1,042 uh, matches. I never, never would have guessed that. Never would have either. I would have thought Fabulous Moolah, something like that. Yeah. O- over 200. She has, Natalia has over 200 matches over the second person. Here's, you'll blow your mind. Alicia Fox. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, let's see, wrestlers. Let's see, what are we gonna go to next? There's a lot. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my time. Kind of, I'm not gonna take my time, take my time, but I'm gonna kind of take my time going through this. Wrestlers with the highest win percentages. This should be interesting. I think we talked about this before, and it's not loading. <laughs> Come on, internet. Uh, I, I think it's Ultimate I, Warrior. I think it's it is Ultimate Warrior because that's the one I looked at. It's Ultimate Warrior. Uh, another notable name was Goldberg. You know, he went on a very famous, you know, 180 whatever and zero run, uh, and he and he's in the top five, I think, something like that. 
uh, but Ultimate Warrior is number one, and it's like a, a eighty. It's a high eighties percentage, I believe. Yeah, he's had like a, I think he's only had like one hundred fifty one something matches or something like that. But uh, but or not one hundred. How long do you? <laughs> what? How, how long do you think? Out of like he had one hundred and fifty one matches. If you put all those matches together, how long do you think his entrance his entrance took for him to get to the Jesus? Ring? I can't even fathom. <laughs> I honestly so many, ro- so many so many ropes just violently shaked. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Shooken. That's the word. Shooken. Uh violently shooken. I can't even fathom. Here, I gotta go to my phone now because it's not loading on the computer for some reason. I uh I apparently broke my computer with Ultimate Warrior facts. Uh all right. So yes, the highest wrestler highest win percentage is like I said, he said Ultimate Warrior, but I just want to get a confirmation on this percentage. Is this site just broken now? This is horrible timing. I, I had issue with it last night trying to get it to go. It would eventually work, but it just took forever. I'm getting really salty right now. Which is good podcasting with you know Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. Thank God for the edit button. <laughs> I can't really right now? Right now, of all times. All right. We'll try this in a moment. All right. The biggest, uh, as far as the biggest draws or attendance records, we'll go to that one because that's on that's on the good old Wikipedia. We know that's that's accurate and working. Um, <laughs> yeah. so there's actually a two-day event. Okay. Actually, a, a, right. I'm going to tell you this because I know what it is. It's in my uh, things. I don't mind you talking about the numbers, but I have a lot of behind the scenes on this one. Okay. Yeah, I won't get into that. Uh, I won't. I won't. I won't do that one. Um, the the biggest show, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and WCW did a crossover pay per view in North Korea, Pyongyang, North Korea, in 1995, April 28th and April 29th. Um, day one drew 150,000 people. Day two, which is the highest attendance record of all time for a pro wrestling event, uh, is 170,000. Which is crazy, yeah. But you also have to have to keep in mind <laughs> that it is North Korea and pro wrestling. <laughs> but, I will, I will, but we will save. We'll dive into that. <laughs> yes, yes, we will. Um, those are that. So the highest uh, for WWE is WrestleMania 32, allegedly 101,763 on April 3rd, 2016. Uh, the fourth highest, also another allegedly. WrestleMania 3, March 29th, 1987 at the Pontiac Silverdome, 93,173 uh, in a main event that's one of the best wrestling cards maybe of all time as well. Uh, it saw Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship, Ricky Steamboat versus Randy Savage. Um, you know, these are some big, big deals. Yeah, this site just took a dump on me when I needed it the most. Um <laughs> Yeah, internal server error. That's exactly what I needed right now. Like yeah. it worked all the time, but yeah, let's let's wait till Matt and Johnny are recorded and just not work. Uh, let's see. That might have boned me. <laughs> that might have boned me a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I think the longest match record was uh, from a Smash Wrestling promotion in Canada. I want to say it was like 190 minutes. Wait, here we go. You, it's working right on my phone now. Um, okay. Excuse me. Yeah, the longest uh, wrestling match of all time, 190 minutes, is for Smash Wrestling in Canada. It was it was called the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, and let's see. It looks like Chris Hero. Yep. Won it. But uh, so that's, that's pretty. 
That's pretty cool. All right. Or Come Cassius on. Ono, as, he, as you might know him now. Yes. Yes. He's had a lot of uh, identity changes. Um, I think John Cena has, like, the most wins in pro wrestling history. That makes sense. I mean, he was, like, among wrestling nerds, he was infamous for never losing. So. Yes. Like, and if he like, did, no matter what. he has, like, yeah. a 60 and 44 pay-per-view record. Which is uh, which is kind of crazy too, um, so he's put over a lot of people, but uh, yeah, an insane amount. Yeah, this website's trash. I'm heated right now. <laughs> uh, the very first one hundred thousand dollar wrestling gate was at M- uh, Madison Square Garden, which is one hundred thousand dollars. Which, which I'll never see one hundred thousand dollars in my life, but it doesn't sound like a big amount anymore. Uh, it took place at Madison Square Garden on July 24th, 1971 with uh, Pedro. Mar- we should have invested in GameStop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, that match, uh, the main, one of the main events was uh, Pedro Morales and Gorilla Monsoon defeating Luke Graham and Tarzan Tyler in a tag team match. And then also Sam, Bruno San Martino defeating Blackjack Mulligan. Uh you know, it's, there's a lot of records that go into this. I'm not going to keep this thing going because I know Johnny has a lot of, has some did you knows. He had to restrict himself as well. Uh, maybe it's for the best that our website was trash and let me down when I needed it most, <laughs> like a lot of people. Uh, well, we so plugged them anyway. We plugged them anyway. So it, <laughs> I put them over and that's what I get. So, uh, so that is, uh, that is the end of this mad stats portion. I'm so disappointed. Let's move on to Johnny's did you know. Get ready. Woo. We are on tour, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Now, Buddy Landell, it's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilt liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex Wearing diamond ring, wearing kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Well, Matt, the first thing I'm going to ask you, because this is kind of relating to your Matt stats, uh, do you know in the WWF who is the most decorated wrestler ever in the WWF? Hmm. I want to say Triple H. No. Is it Triple H? No. But decorated, I mean, has, won, has had the most title reigns. That's what I figured. Not, not, not just the main title, all titles. Maybe it is John Cena. No. The, name, the name's going to blow you away when I tell you that, uh, quote, the Raven nevermore. What? <laughs> Raven. Yes. Oh, uh, he, won, he, he won a hardcore title twenty of, something times. Yeah, some ridiculous amount of times. So uh, I forgot about that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, of course, uh, wrestling in different areas is called different things. You know, you know, in Japan it's called something. In 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 Mexico, the, the luchadors. Uh, El Santo was one of the most famous luchadors of all time. In fact, uh, when it comes to luchadors, their mask, which I'm sure a lot of you have seen, you know, Rey Mysterio famously ha- has had one, only, even though he was unmasked at one point, but famously had one. Uh, they're a huge deal. Like, they take the mask very seriously. Yeah. You know, it's a sense of honor 
Uh, you know, if there's ever uh, a match where someone can lose their mask, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal in Mexico. Uh, El Sanso uh, only ever appeared in public once without his mask, just one time. And it was literally like uh, within weeks of when he passed away. Uh, so he only appeared without it once. And that one, and uh, he was even actually buried wearing it because that's what he wanted. Wow. Yeah, there's a legitimate sense of, like, if you get that yanked off you, there's, like, a legitimate sense of disrespect, like, to a wrestler, um, if that, if that happens. So, that's, uh, that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. I mean, literally one of the ways they get heat, or or if you don't know what heat is, that's when a bad guy wrestler is trying to get the crowd to boo. Uh, One of the ways that they would get heat was, like, try to pull off the, the, you know, the good guy's mask. It works. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember plenty of times they were trying to pull off poor Ray's mask, and I thought he was getting his eyes poked out because it's just <laughs> or his mouth <laughs> or whatever. All right, so DDT, not the move, uh, a wrestling promotion from Japan, was, which was called DDT, has had some very, and I'm using this word in quotation marks, interesting winners of its Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Championship. All right, Matt, so get prepared here. I'm going to give you a short list of all the winners of this title. Belt. Uh, there have been animals that have won this. Uh, oh, a ladder once won this. <laughs> uh, invisible wrestlers once won this. I I don't know if they were fighting Cheech and Chong, but they were there. Uh, and even this is my favorite one: Vince McMahon's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame <laughs> won it. Are you serious? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> don't ask me how, but it's on the list there. Okay. <laughs> if you're into wrestling in the past, if you watched wrestling in the past, I don't know, 15 years, you know who Randy Orton is. His dad was also a pro wrestler, if you didn't know, Bob Orton Jr. Uh, he actually, when he was a teenager, he had contacted hepatitis C. But he never, ever showed any signs of, of the disease. So he would actually just even forget that he had it. And then he had a match with The Undertaker, and he bled, of course. Oh, and yeah. And this is when they all found out that he had it, and that's why he got fired. That's the reason they fired him. Yeah. Because he didn't tell them, and he didn't tell them because he had actually forgotten that he even had it. There's a lot of that. There's a lot more of that. I mean, Bob Orton Jr. is one of the biggest names uh, that have ever, you know, that's ever happened to, but there's a lot of incidents like that. The duel of the Butcher is somebody, yes. you know, unfortunately. Yes. You know, that's a huge name because he like one of his gimmicks was that there's always bleeding and stuff. With always. Him. It's it. There's and keep in mind, people like it. it's all the glitz and glamour. There's a lot of bad people that there's a lot of good people that come through wrestling, at least nowadays. It doesn't seem like it, but there's been a lot of bad people, uh, very selfish, bad people that have come through pro wrestling as well. So um, yeah. and these things happen all of the time. Yeah, I always love and Matt probably hates it, but he's got to meet and meet some very interesting wrestling characters and always try to get a little inside scoop from them. But yeah, uh, you told me good and bad about some people. (laughs) I'm just going to say this. Screw you, Jake, the snake Roberts. I'm going to say that. Yeah. That's the one that killed me the most. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Cause I freaking love that guy. Uh, And then you told me that stuff. So Um, hopefully he's doing better now. Let's just hope. I think so. I'm, I'm sure he would throw a beer can at my head again, if he had the chance, but um yeah <laughs> all right so uh there was a in 1994 uh, the year of our lord 1994 uh on a wwf raw razor ramon faced jeff hardy 
who was actually 16 at this time. Yeah. Which was not supposed to be legal. No. Uh, how did he get away with this? He just told him he was 18. He literally just lied and they never checked. <laughs> okay, 18 the minimum age uh, for a lot of places. New Jersey, I think you can do it at 16. I know plenty of wrestlers because I've, you know, I've read a lot of uh, backgrounds on wrestlers and stuff because I'm a nerd like that. A lot of them would say they got started as a teenager. Yeah. A lot of them do. Yeah, I knew one. I, I knew, yeah, one kid who wrestles around here is really, really good. I invite all the listeners to look him up. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Bennett, very talented rapper and uh, very talented wrestler, great dad. Uh, but when he got started, he was he was he had a ring from a very early age. He used to get trained by all the the, the local wrestlers. But he would go out to New Jersey once he turned sixteen to go wrestle, and then he had to wait until he turned eighteen to come and wrestle here. It's crazy. But but yeah, that that's uh that's legit rule. So there is some regulation on it. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're in a, a backyard federation, which was a very famous one that made me sad it went away in <laughs> in your neck of the woods, Matt. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. No, well, they're still they're still around, but their videos are private. One of uh, one of my co-hosts on Two Points actually part of it. Wait, wait. they're private. Only people who have the link can watch it because somebody reported them to. There's a lot of lot of backstabbing and a lot of drama it should be a tv show this, this uh it, sh- thing it should heard. honestly be a tv show but um somebody reported them to the new york state athletic commission <laughs> <laughs> because they had people come and watch and sit and watch but they yeah. weren't charging money but yeah it was crazy crazy but one of my co- <laughs> one of my newer co-hosts on two point is part of that so yeah oh man all right well they got to give me some inside scoops okay <laughs> um uh, yeah, me and you had a lot of plans for that federation. That's all I'm going to say. We did. We did. Yeah, I think it would have been a lot of fun. All right. So uh, the last thing we'll talk about is what you already alluded to, Matt. The most, the single wrestling event with the most attendance ever wasn't a WrestleMania, as Matt said, but a show called Collision in Korea. It was where WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling did a joint event in uh, North Korea. And it's rumored, and I put rumored because we don't really truly know the, the numbers when it comes to attendance with any wrestling show ever, um, that the two-day event easily racked in over 300,000 people in attendance. But here are some uh, pretty interesting stuff. Of course, it's in North Korea, which means that a lot of the people who attended probably didn't really have a choice in this attendance. Uh, <laughs> If you were told to go, guess what? Uh, you were going. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it boiled down to. I, um, Rick Flair has some interesting stories about that event. Literally about to say this. Uh, Rick Flair claims, I do not, I, again, I'm just saying claims. I do not know how true these are. It's, it's pro wrestling. But one of the stories that Rick Flair tells is that, uh, you know, of course, if you know anything about Rick Flair, he is most i would dare say one of the best promos ever in pro wrestling by the way yeah a promo if you don't know just is talking be able to talk get people into like he's able to sell a show make you want to go to show just based on the stuff he's saying because that's how good he 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 still is honestly yeah Uh, but uh so he claims that north korean officials came to him and said hey we want you to (laughs) to do a promo in which you just really put over North Korea and just say how awful and garbage America is. <laughs> like, just say that North, North Korea is so much better than America. And Ric Flair, of course, claims that he uh, he said, no, 
I'm not doing that. I refuse to do that. Matt, I'm going to ask you, do you, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being you don't believe it whatsoever, and 10 being this is the most truest thing you've ever heard, uh, how much, uh, what do you give this story? Um, I actually, I, I believe it like a 10, but I, I also, I feel like, uh, <laughs> I feel like Ric Flair found a way to do it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I, like that just that just it just streams up. I watched Hulk Hogan do it about the WWF belt in in Japan, but yeah. I would imagine that Ric Flair would have done that for a ch- for a, a chunk of change. Yeah, see, I'm the same way. I, I some tells me that that did happen, but some also tells me that he he made some money off of it. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And speaking of New Japan, um, I think it was New Japan. Was that uh, when Hulk Hogan wrestled in Japan? Uh, he had some really good wrestling matches over there. Uh, yeah, for the record, I know a lot of people say he can't wrestle. He, uh, I he encourage you to watch those matches over there. He could go. He did what he was told to do. Basically, he, he did yeah. what he was told to do on this side of things. Like people just think he's just uh, you know, pointing the finger, finger wag, punch, 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 body slam, leg drop. That's not him, brother. Uh, he could do a lot more. He just, yeah, you no, know, he didn't have the big background in it. But it was actually I, I did watch that matchup. Uh, I forgot who he was wrestling against. Was it Inoki? Was Antonio yeah, Inoki? Yeah. Uh, I th- it might have yeah. been Antonio Inoki, but uh, one of those big Japanese names. But he went out there and wrestled and did a really good. Uh, I mean, not the best technical wrestling match you'll ever see, but Hogan can go if need be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But this collision in Korea was is also one of the very few pay per views that you cannot find on the WWE Network. It's not there, uh, but you can find it. Wink, wink. If you look for it. <laughs> I'd be, I'd, you know I, mean, I would love to watch. I think it's on I, the match might be on YouTube. The the flare match might be on YouTube. I'd be curious to watch that. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some gyms on there. I mean, they had some talent in both those companies at the time. So yeah, I bet they're good. What uh, a big yeah, risk, so, though. What a big. Oh risk. yeah. Do you? How do you compare this to you know when WWE recently went to uh, Saudi Arabia? It's kind of the kind of similar to me, right? Uh yeah. It definitely was. It sounds like, you know, because they, they could have been a bit of a hostage situation right? if, they, if North yeah. Korea really wanted to. But I, it's weird to say this, but it sounds like North Korea was just like, you know, hey, uh, you know, they were just thankful. They were thankful that they came and you can go. But, you know, we're saw the Saudi Arabia shows like ah, we got trouble. So, um, yeah, but it's about the same thing. It's probably a place that not a lot of people wanted to go to, but it was a big, you know, it was a big deal. And it, it took a lot of courage from a lot of those wrestlers both of New Japan and WCW to kind of go to that thing. Yeah, very much so. So that is uh, where I'm going to stop for Johnny's Did You Knows. Now, Matt, it's time for us to discuss where pro wrestling fits into pop culture today. Because he is none other than the Shaq Master! The Shaq Master! (laughs) I told you. Oh, guys. I don't care who you are, boy. I don't give a damn who you are. You're gonna have us. You're gonna have Van Vader, and we're gonna be breathing through your neck. So you're the man that rules the world. They call me the Shockmaster. 
You've ruled the world long enough, Sid Vicious. Get ready. Come on, you want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? Come and get me. Come after me, Sid. I'm ready. Along with Davy Boy, Sting, and Dusty Rhodes, we'll see you at the Fall Brawl at the War Games. Until then. Well, it still has a pretty big following. I think first and foremost, there's a lot of people that are interested in it. Uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of the mainstream crossovers, like the rock and roll wrestling, the rock and roll, you know, rock and wrestling connection, uh, definitely help make, bring a lot more interest to it. You know, there's people like David Arquette, who very talented actors who were like, you know what? I got something to prove. I don't want to be the guy who ruined WCW because I won the title. I want to be well, one of the guys who ruined WCW. I want to be a guy who goes out there and wrestles. He's out there wrestling death matches and stuff. Like it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I really hate that too because it wasn't his fault. No, he's doing what he was told. He wasn't the one who. Yeah, he wasn't the one who was who booked himself to win that. Yeah. I think he's gonna be like, no, no, no. I don't want. I don't want this payday. I don't want that WCW title. Yeah, it, and he famously gave all the money uh, to uh, some wrestlers who really needed it, his family. So. Yeah. You know, good dude. He's taking a lot of a lot of flack for it, but uh, you know, I was. Uh, it, it's kind of funny because being like seeing some of the things that I've seen. Uh, yo, I watch a football game. You know, uh, a couple years ago in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty One, the Patriots had like uh, came back from being down twenty to three. I'm like, ah, it's a work. Like wrestling, like shit's <laughs> <laughs> a work. You know, just like a wrestling show. And and, and I, I guess. To me, that's that's funny. There's a lot of people who do that. There's a lot of people who think, you know, there's there's sports and, and other things that are worked in the same ideology like pro wrestling. So I think it has yeah. like deep roots. It, it, like people just question everything nowadays, question the legitimacy of everything. Politics, uh, it, it, you oh, know, politics, sports. <laughs> oh, for sure. Sports, uh, you know, just just so much stuff. Com- any competitive stuff. The they, 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 boxing. <laughs> uh but i'm like oh my god really it's a t- you know i watched the uh roy jones jr mike tyson fight i'm like really a tie beat bs it's bs they went yeah. the pro wrestling yeah. route i literally sat here with a bunch of pro wrestlers and we were just like oh it's a work brother uh <laughs> but but honestly like it's captured the hearts of a lot of people you know uh and like i said i truly believe that everybody has watched or enjoy or and enjoyed Pro wrestling at least one time in their life. And if you, you know, you haven't, you're probably, you say you haven't, you're probably a liar, but you know of the sport of pro wrestling. It's, 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 it's everywhere. It's been in big time, you know, it's, it's big time culture. And um, I don't know. It's just a lot of fun. I do miss the old days of it. I do miss when I could legitimately be excited for uh, events and wrestlers and, and, and the showmanship and all that. But uh, but regardless, every I think everybody has been affected by it at least uh, at least in some way, shape, or form in their life. Yeah, and I, and I would dare say that there's nothing like seeing a kid who's really into pro wrestling because that oh, reminds I, me of when I was really into it. That bothers it, you know it bothers I mean? me because I, I I'll go to wrestling shows nowadays and I'll see kids just all in on it. 
uh, loving the show, and I see these jerk parents who are just like, oh, it's stupid, it's so stupid. Yeah. And, it, like, making the kid feel bad. And Like, my dad did it a little bit. Um, I think he was just busting my balls. But it, the fact is, like, yo, your kid likes something. Your kid – it is what it is. Your yeah. kid is in love with something, and you're just sitting here just kind of making them fun of them for liking it. And that's something that really, really bothers me. I did went to a SmackDown show a couple years ago in Buffalo, and, and a dad was doing that, and he had his, like – you know, four, five, whatever, very young ch- children with them. And, and they were all excited. He's just like, he didn't care. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It, I hate to see yeah, why, why even, why even, why even go? That's yeah. going to be. Yeah. <laughs> just stay home. Uh, let your kids watch it on TV or something then. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just because I remember how excited I got as a kid seeing these larger than life characters on TV or in front of me you know uh you know basically like these action figures come to life you know these 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 guys and these gals so um but yeah it's it's evolved today i i do think that uh pro wrestling has always gone in cycles as i mentioned before so while it might be on a download i kind of feel that it is starting to creep up a little bit i mean aew coming around and such is really helping that uh so i do see it coming back and being really really popular again i mean even you know uh it was really huge. You know, it, it affects all of pop culture when something gets over. Like I remember when I was a kid and, uh, you know, and, and watching WCW and Diamond Dallas Page was doing the, the hand signals for the diamond cutter. Uh, you know, kids would, were doing that and it was showing up on sports and stuff. And that's how I know when it's really catching on. Uh, you know, very recently, Daniel Bryan uh, had the yes movement where, you know, he could stick his hands up and go, yes, yes. And the crowd would chant along with it. That went along with sports. That that transcended into sports, and everybody knew what it was. That to me, that was one of the last big mainstream like yeah moments in wrestling history. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Like you literally just got to say the name Ric Flair, and people go woo. You know, you literally automatically know to do that. Yeah. If you see, you know, it's just even if you're not really into pro wrestling, you know that. So that's how big I think it is. Such a part of our. or DNA even and I mean, even with it, it saved television basically you know so it's it's just uh it's always been there and I think it will always be here uh but it will keep evolving I do believe that too so uh so I'm with Matt like the older stuff speaks to me because it's just what I grew up with yeah but there is a, still a lot of really good new stuff uh, a lot of really good wrestlers out there uh I encourage you to check it out if you want to but yeah Matt I think pro wrestling is going to be around for a long time yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going away. I don't want to see it go away. You know, I may not be, like I said, I may not be a big fan of what where it's at right now, but I don't want to see it go away because I know there's, uh, it's important to a lot of kids and a lot of people watching, and and I have a lot of friends in the yeah. wrestling business. A lot of there's there's people on our network that are associated or involved with pro wrestling in some way, shape, or form. So, and I know how much they love it and how much it means to them. So I want to see it, you know, kind of go and, and and go strong. But uh, Johnny. What do we have planned for next time? Oh, man, that's such a great question. You know, there's so many things I could do. You know, I've kind of hinted at wanting to do Weird Al Yankovic and such. But something occurred to me uh, while I was watching a show on Disney Plus called Prop Culture, in which each episode is about a different movie. And they would talk about the props and stuff from that movie. Like this guy would go around hunting for those things. And we discussed the history of those films. I really recommend it. Honestly, it's very, it's a very fun show, but the last episode is on a little film called the Muppet movie. And literally when they showed Kermit's banjo, 
I teared up and I got misty eyed <laughs> because I flipping love the Muppets. So I was like, you know what? We're doing it. Next episode of Retro Pop. It's not easy being green, Matt, but it's going to be easy talking about some Muppets. Oh, I'm fired up. I know a lot of people are going to be fired up. We might even get a couple guest requests. We'll have to I have to slap them off of us, but um, whoever pays us the most, yeah, whoever pays the most, we're gonna put it up the aux to auction. But uh, the Muppets are, yeah, that's that's a big one. That is a big one. I'm excited yeah. to kind of get into that, get in the life of Jim Henson a little bit. Uh, yes, excellent topic, dude. Couldn't have come at a better time. So uh, that is it, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Retro Pop. If you smell. What retro pop is cooking? Gene! from the future telling you that your dream is going to come true what no way yeah you're going to have an awesome podcast called let's talk but no politics okay and new episodes come out every sunday on Beyonce.